Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards that never agreed to. Tonight we're talking about the 2020 body switching horror film Freaky. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. We're short one Ben tonight, but with me as always is my co-host and frequent collaborator, comics artist and certified vampire aficionado, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I'm wondering if Panic at the Disco is still a thing in 2020 i'm sure it is but it's just brandon you're oh, okay okay <laughs> he sings frozen songs now <laughs> oh, yeah but if we're talking the sentiment of panicking at a disco that is always a timeless experience to be thriving in That's yes yes That's i can imagine feeling at a disco right now <laughs> absolute panic <laughs> just the idea of a disco uh and we have two wonderful guests with us tonight. First, our returning guest. They're one of the hosts of the Final Dems podcast, Tara Acevedo. How are you tonight, Tara? I am feeling good. I'm excited to be here. I love talking with you all. I'm super excited to be returning. And I really enjoy Freaky. So I'm very amped and ready to jump on in. I'm also feeling very giggly tonight. Uh, I don't know why that is. It could just be all of the sparkling water I had. It makes me bubbly. I don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's the perfect energy right there. That's what we're looking for. So, well, we are happy to have you back. And uh, our special guest tonight, first time guest, uh, she's a librarian and writer, Amelia Viasio. Amelia, how are you tonight? I am doing okay. It is already too hot. Amelia, you recommended this movie. Yeah, and this is the part where I admit I actually didn't watch it before last night. I saw a YouTube video. It looked interesting. It had some, like, it might have some some pure themes to dig into. So I was like, oh, this might be a good, a good yeah, idea for the podcast. <laughs> it's one that's been on our, our list for a while. I mean, if no other reason, I would we'd want to talk about it because it's directed by Christopher Landon, an, an outspoken gay filmmaker who often has, you know, you know queer themes and queer characters in, in their stuff. I mean, Happy Death Day. The Second Happy Death Day, Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones, Disturbia, Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse are just all, all things that he's directed. And he's written a lot more than that. He's responsible for writing all but like the first Paranormal Activity and a, a bunch of other stuff. This one is actually co-written by him and Michael Kennedy. If anyone doesn't know, hasn't seen the posters, it stars Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton in the two lead roles. And then we have Celeste O'Connor and Misha Oshurovich. Not sure on sure. that one. Uh, as the sort of the best friends in this who are the you know fill out the main part of the cast here imdb thing is usually pretty awful but this one was pretty accurate after swapping bodies with a deranged serial killer a young girl in high school discovers she has less than 24 hours before the change becomes permanent and uh, as far as like scare level where would you guys rate this like spoopy isn't not scary spooky isn't a little scary terrifying isn't very scary or existentially I, disconcerting i mean if you've seen any other slasher film ever this is not a very scary movie I put it on a spooky level because it's also more of a, it also leans really heavily into like a horror comedy thing. So it's just not that scary. Like there's some tense moments, but there's nothing that really makes you go, oh God, no. <laughs> At least from my perspective. 
I definitely think the scariest moments are just the experience of being a femme in the world and some man who is much taller than you is chasing you. That's always terrifying, but Mm -hmm. it is definitely a horror comedy and it is a lot of fun. I always say it's like Freaky Friday and the like early aughts body switching movies like Hot Chick, but done in a genuinely queer sense. So it's it's very fun, and that definitely takes away some of the pressure of being terrifying. So I think the scariest moment is that opening sequence, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it is a straight-up slasher, so there are, like, a few jump scares in there. I'd say, you know, spooky isn't a little scary. For the most part, it's, it's more funny than it is scary. Um, and it does... I think getting into like the trigger warnings part of things, there is a lot of gore in this movie. So if, like gore is not your thing. The deaths, uh, there was a lot of my wife like covering her eyes while we were watching this one <laughs> because there's a couple of things that's like, you know it's coming, but it's really, it's a pretty intense, a couple of pretty intense deaths. Uh, obviously a lot of violent murder. There is de- definitely like some, the beginnings of and some allusions to sexual assault, homophobia and racism homophobic slurs, misogynist slurs, jokes about rape, uh, cops, and cops shooting guns. Um, so yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of everything there. Yeah, I was not, I actually didn't see that Vince Vaughn was in this movie at first. I didn't, I just jumped into it when the killer, um, takes off his mask to reveal that it is in fact Vince Vaughn. I was like, oh, that's okay this is this is pretty so that's the spookiest part for me otherwise this is a solid spoopy i i'm gonna get ahead of myself and say that i think that this is one of vince vaughn's best performances (laughs) i was not like this is a revelation you know (laughs) um i was not expecting to be so moved both vince vaughn and Catherine newton do incredible jobs because like it's, it's not spoiling anything to say that like they they swap bodies so like yeah, that's in the that's in the, the description. Yeah, it's in the description, and, and and the physicality with which they switch bodies is pretty amazing because oh. like Vince Vaughn biting his nails and uh, running into things and cursing his height is is very is very funny to me. <laughs> there is an interview with Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton in which they talk about how they just spent a couple of hours or a whole day. I don't remember the allotment of time, but they spent some time studying one another's movements and copying each other. And I would just love to see footage of that, like of Vince Vaughn learning how to move and run like Catherine Newton. There is <laughs> that little run that Vince Vaughn does during like with the like the dainty little arms. Uh, <laughs> Catherine, Catherine had said that he copied her run exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. It's perfect. And, and then Catherine um, Newton just, she does a really good job of like channeling like creepy mm-hmm. serial killer and being very menacing despite despite her relative size yeah despite you know the fact that she's pretty small and dainty and um you know not what you know american culture would see as threatening um, this is physically yeah it's absolutely proof that small people can be terrifying (laughs) i am five two and i always like to say i'm closer to hell so don't test me (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) So I think we can just jump right into the spoilery section and do our play-by-play. So um, if you haven't seen the movie, here's a pause. Go see it. Okay, I assume you've seen it now. <laughs> um, 
so now you know what we're talking about so you may notice that this movie is called freaky i hope you do i mean i didn't notice that vince vaughn was in it so who knows we may be uh reminded of the films freaky friday and it's important to note that this film occurs on more than one day and it starts with wednesday the 11th I get the feeling that they want something to be called Freaky Friday 13th, but ran to copyright issues. They did. <laughs> yeah. From what from what I've heard, they actually did want it to be called Freaky Friday the 13th, but they weren't able to. So it was just Friday the 13th. Or it was just Freaky. Yeah. Yeah. Friday's yeah. a different movie. <laughs> a great oh. movie. Yes. I'll, I would I would actually be really, really intrigued to see Friday, Freaky Friday, and Friday the 13th all together now. Um <laughs> But that all different... takes place on a porch stoop. So we start in uh, the the front yard of a house that puts the house in scream, any of the houses in scream to shame in terms of just how opulent this place is. And uh, 14s are swapping spooky stories about the generations old slasher, the Blissfield Butcher. 14s, you very much won't mind dying shortly. <laughs> Especially yeah. the two the two guys are super obnoxious. It's, it was clear to me as soon as I saw these kids. It's like, oh, this is an opening where everybody dies at the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Isaac is um, the one fool enough to wander around somebody else's house in the middle of the night without any lights on for some reason. Like, Yeah, and, and this, this is basically... just doesn't know how lights work. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's basically the house from Knives Out, except instead of knives everywhere... It's um, cultural artifacts that definitely have been, you know, stolen from uh, lands that have been colonized. But yeah. Yeah, that was my question. I was like, who is this family? Like, what are their jobs? Are they archaeologists, art collectors? The 1%? Like, they're obviously just like, you know, commodifying all of these different cultural artifacts and they have them all just in their house on display. Yeah, um, from his brief appearance, I would say that the dad's job is rich douchebag. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scarf wearer. <laughs> yeah, the, the the parents of this family basically like they drive up in a Rolls Royce and they, they're like, no, I'm just darling. Like they might as well be just cartoon characters. But there's a great line here where they're talking about how the Blissfield Butcher has been an urban legend in this town for, for decades and so by logically this guy would be very old if he's still butchering and then our our blonde who i think is the daughter the inheritor of this fortune of of this rich douchebag mentions the average old white man old white straight man's propensity for violence which kind of sets i mean this is within the first five minutes of the movie so it kind of sets the theme yeah isaac is absolutely deplorable that's the worst Uh, yeah just he's not the worst person in this movie though in this group, I think he qualifies as the worst. Yeah, he's definitely the, the worst person in this group. And uh, he ignores his date upon whom he deliberately spilled beer so he can snoop around the spooky mansion. And um, of course, he doesn't notice that the one uh, leather hockey mask on the wall of African masks is missing. And in the basement, Isaac is found by the slasher. Kills him with a wine bottle in, a, in an impossible feat of murder craft. Um, and he... Is, he shoves the broken wine bottle down his throat and then sort of out through his throat. It's a, Wait, yeah, that's an icky death. That's a real uh, deep throat moment there, but he shoves it <laughs> into his mouth, down his throat, and then he hits his throat or the back of his head or something so that it breaks out of his neck. 
if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think Sorority Row also has a death that's similar to that or like that. But I I love love that. I love the creativity of that. I love the ickiness of it. I love the <laughs> sensuality of it because like you look at that and you're like, that's obviously some deep throat <laughs> thing going on here. So yeah, that was, was like one of my favorite kills of the movie. I was expecting more from the next kill because of that, which is like he chases the girl into the bathroom and then just like beats her to death between the toilet and the toilet seat. I was like, surely he's going to use the tank here or he's going to, there's going to be some partial drowning in this or something. And he just, he just proceeds to beat her to death with the toilet seat. I think that was I... the roughest one to witness for me. That's the, the roughest yeah. kill just because it's not funny. It's just straight yeah. up battery. <laughs> yeah. But I really love bathroom kill sequences because I feel like the bathroom is the most vulnerable I ever am in life so I love knowing like there are ways I could still survive if someone decided to attack me in this moment that I had like complete vulnerability to the world yeah ever ever since I saw Saul the first time I've just been ready to hit somebody with the top of the toilet tank you know (laughs) pull the lid off of that thing and hit somebody with it I mean that's hardcore that's hardcore ceramic for me i i i was surprised that this killer wasn't more prepared like usually when you when the killer goes out it's not just like a a v-neck shirt and then you know like i'm gonna steal the mask and i'm going to you know improvise with wine bottle and toilet he seems Um, to like improvising he's pretty good i mean that this is that third kill the tennis racket kill where he like breaks the handle of the tennis racket and shoves it in either side of this guy's head i was like, like the fucking arrow through the hair yeah like that was, that was great. great it's great <laughs> yes it was so good i'm like okay this dude has a sense of humor i get it i think you brought up a really good point about that because he's very improvised killer typically is gonna like hide their identity but his identity is pretty known like the posters show his face and whatnot maybe because you know he's been seen before but i think his strength and his his mind his ability really lends himself to be able to just be like you know what I'm gonna go out in the world and improvise killing some people no one's gonna catch me i'm so strong which is like later on when it flips and he's no longer in that strong body you know i think he has to get a little more like calculated yeah that's a good point too because a lot of the time when you have slashers in these films you have a very distinct look like the slasher always has a look and usually a, a signature weapon some people like to stick to their brand, but in Freaky, I think his brand is really just, you know, let's just go for it. Well, like yeah, he tries just... to build his brand here. He's like, ooh, a scary knife with glowing eyeballs. That's going to be my new thing. Like, oh, I got true. this new mask. I got a scary knife yeah. for sacrificing. Like He needed he... to reinvent himself. Yeah. Maybe he was casing the joint. Maybe he knew the occupation of these people and was like, you know what, there's going to be some good stuff in there that I could use. So I'm going to rob them, take their stuff, kill all their kids. No one's going to catch me. I have a new look now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, speaking of improvising, like the girl whose place it is throws a spear at him, misses, and then he ends up like picking her up and impaling her on the spear, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, useful. You know, your yeah. The back end, too. Yeah, a bit of a, like, a bit of a Halloween reference there. The head very, tilts. Very Michael Myers, scary head tilt. Yeah, yeah. So we know that, the, but the spooky knife is one of these artifacts, and this will come in later because it's called Ladola, and uh, it has a skull on it, and it glows. So we know it's spooky, and I think it also says it like whispers or whatever. But um, the uh, the parents come home to find this this scream-esque scene where instead of um, Drew Barrymore hanging it is this character and she is on the spear 
How often are they actually using those tennis courts? Mm. Like a full-size tennis court out there. They're just, you know, oh, it's three months later. They're like, let's go for a stroll in our massive backyard. Oh, God, there's more bodies. (laughs) 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 There's no friends over. (laughs) In that moment, whenever they come back home, it's a bit of comedy where I think they're talking, the parents, and she's like, oh, she better not have boys over. And one of the lines is, if if she does, then I'm going to fucking kill her. But then the killer is cut off as they see her dead body impaled and hanging an adornment on the wall, which I think is hilarious because I love dark comedy. (laughs) Yes. And again, the rich make people do their jobs for them. (laughs) Oh, no. So classism. Outsourcing the murder. Yeah, outsourcing (laughs) murder of your children. Okay, so now it is Thursday the 12th. Enter Millie, our protagonist. She is a very blonde teen in a blonde house with a blonde mom addicted to blonde wine. (laughs) Her dad is dead and her mom is still processing that grief. Her sister is a cop, or rather bastard. Um, And uh, she... Honestly, Charlene... The, the sister i mean she was already in uniform but the shit that she like that she gives her mom and grieve like her grieving mom and sister like the whole family's grieving giving her mom shit for making breakfast and then giving millie shit for not going to homecoming and like in- instead hanging out with her grieving mother um, to go see local wicked yeah <laughs> the local community theater collection of wicked yeah the community yes. theater wicked at the anus theater <laughs> yeah like like Charlene is like, yeah, I know it's been years since only been years since dad died, but you gotta do it together, mom. It's fuck. <laughs> yeah, she's she's the chip of this movie. She's real she, she really wants everybody to get over all their trauma and just start, you know, going to homecomings <laughs> again. <laughs> I do love that she never once leaves her uniform. She wears her uniform the entire movie i'm sure that she sleeps and she showers in it there's not one moment that we don't see her in it <laughs> it's like glued to her body yeah and like it's she's... a kink like it's definitely a, a kink <laughs> thing right it's like in hellbent exactly <laughs> although although in hellbent it's definitely like a stripper cop outfit and hers is like a very traditional sheriff uniform yeah, yeah. um I do get really gay vibes from Charlene, though. I, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I just get really strong gay vibes. There's nothing in there that's said. There's nothing explicitly pointed to it. I don't know why. Also, the most useless cop I've ever seen. She yeah. Just literally, not one Very thing bad. right as a cop the entire movie. <laughs> well, I mean, that kind of fits in with how underfunded and shitty American cops are. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe overfunded is the right word. <laughs> improperly funded millie is an average teen outcast i guess she has a really cool pig clock which is one of that was like a um an it follows moment with the shell phone like the shell phone yeah but like it seemed like something that wasn't actually real it looks like my my kids have these like night lights from ikea that are basically small versions of that that look like little weird ghosts um you just like hit on the head to Turn them on and off. So I assume somewhere there is a pig clock like this. Yeah, it just looks so it's looks so CGI to me. Like it's like the CGI lamp in Amelie. Like it's, it's 
is this an art decision? Well, I'm not um, remembering at all what this looks like, but I remember that her room is very innocent, very wholesome. There is a Panic at the Disco poster. Yes. Is, is it Panic? Right. Yes. Which seems a little dated for a teen girl of these days. Also, I, maybe like BTS would be more fitting, maybe. Right. <laughs> there are a too. few references that feel very 30-something gay man and less teenage girl yeah definitely. uh-huh uh-huh um i yeah i think i've yeah i was uh, somewhere in my notes i have that where it's like this is this is suffering from 30 somethings ideal of of teen rather than like actual teen millie's high school friends she goes to high school she attends the school from scream but her friends are the friends from mean girls <laughs> such a good way of describing yeah, the, the the fucking social scene at this place is dark. These kids are morbid and they are only into like murder and sexual abuse. That is like their whole, their whole bag. And racist jokes. Don't forget those. <sighs> yeah. Because <laughs> we now see uh, Millie with Nyla, who is the, uh, the token black girl best friend who's always asking her if she's okay. Yeah, she's the emotional support friend. Yeah. Rachel True's character in, in many a film. And then there's Josh, who is the caustic gay boy who makes racist jokes. I wish I knew fewer. I mean, like throughout the years, I wish I knew fewer Joshes. I wish this wasn't a thing. But at some point, so... I think most Joshes do too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that the joke that we meet Josh with feels very dated in like a like what you were saying before you know like a 30 something gay man wrote this joke it just felt very early aughts in a way that was very outdated but also obviously racist and i and i love josh's character i love josh and nyla as characters but there is the tropiness that happens there with their existences you know what i mean but even though josh does have this trying to be edgy humor you know like with the rape joke and then that racist joke those things are so i feel like unfortunate because his character is so not cliche in many other ways it feels very human to experience josh as a gay teen and to just allow that be true and like have no part of like coming out being part of a story but rather coming out as straight being a joke because <laughs> everyone knows he's gay and he just is and he's very yeah. confident about that and yeah uh, one thing that i also noted is that he's an absolute terrible driver which is the most on brand thing he <laughs> cannot park for shit and i love that yeah i was yeah. i was watching this with with my wife and alicia was like huh, can't even park straight <laughs> i know i love that <laughs> and the license plate isn't it like bitch or something a bitch yeah i love that i love that license plate but also important to note so josh played by michelle sharevich or Ostrovich, i'm also not entirely sure about the pronunciation but is a non-binary actor and does use the oh. pronouns they and them yeah oh, and i did not know that they do an incredible job with this character in this movie. And they were also, they worked with the two writers, Michael Kennedy and Christopher Landon in terms of creating the character, Josh, by saying in their audition that if they got the part there, they wouldn't play it as this cliche tropey version of a gay man. They wanted it to be very true and honest and not have the same thing that we've seen a million times over. And apparently they liked that and they 
casted them. That's actually really fascinating because initially the character seems very tropey because of how flamboyant, you know, that the character is and how just scathing his humor is. But then with the, um, uh, the, the art, well, I don't know if it's an arc so much as, but the, the progress of the character gets a lot more round. Millie, uh, we find out has a crush on the football player, Booker, the hooker, hooker, booker. I don't know. Is hooker a football thing, Jeremy? I don't know about I think that's a nickname. Yeah, I, I guess it's a, a nickname. I, I've never, having having played plenty of football, that is not a, a thing I'm familiar with. So, okay, it is so a, there's no hooker position. It's a, no. It is a thing in rugby, but not okay. football. Wow. Well, that shows, I mean, if they're, I don't know if that, that joke goes that far. Um, this is also but, where they introduce Ryler. I'm convinced her name is a joke. Like that they were just like, it has to be. you know, she's a Kylie or a Kyler or a Ryan or a Ryler, you know. <laughs> somebody, somebody knew a Skyler at one point, and she was a total bitch to them. So they were like, you know what? We're gonna call you Ryler. <laughs> I'm basing you off the person that wronged me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Ryler shows us this whole thing about size because Ryler is easily the smallest person and also the most like dangerous but it's like she's the leader of the bully gang and the so- tiniest mean girl and they never <laughs> once never once adjust the camera for her height in the yeah. frame she is consistently the smallest thing I have ever seen in my life and the meanest character and I honestly live for her. <laughs> they, they make really no wonderful. effort to redeem her, which I appreciate. At all. Not yeah. once. <laughs> she is definitely the Heather Chandler of her girl gang. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, there's some interesting stuff in this movie. Like, um, I didn't know that Vince Vaughn was that tall. Oh, yeah. Oh, Paul. I thought he was a short man. Oh, no, no, no. He's a very yeah. tall man. Yeah, well, obviously, because they they have these wide shots of him walking down the street, and he is enormous. Woodshop teacher is the worst person in this movie. Oh yeah, he's a true villain and sociopath of the entire film. He's just awful. Like everyone, like everyone is mean to Millie, but this he's just the worst. <laughs> I'm a little confused. I mean, like we've talked about this high school being not quite real. <laughs> but like the existence of a wood shop that this character would have to take, like she sh- doesn't show any interest in wood shop. I can't imagine that being anything other than an elective in in a high school in 2020. Like I, I don't know. I, well, I never, remember, I never had to take wood shop, and I live in well, the American South. So one of the one of the details about her character is that she's trying to put together a university application. And she notes that extracurriculars are really good for her application. So maybe, maybe it's a, uh, maybe she's thinking woodshop so she can put it on her college app. I don't know. I think it is it, like extracurricular. I took woodshop in middle school and I built a box and half of a chair and I built this little name placard and it was, it, it, I loved it so much because I felt very butch and strong doing it with all the power tools. I'm pretty sure that Charlene made Millie take Woodshop. I think that's what happened. <laughs> that sounds right to me. Yeah, Charlene's like, listen, I, I'm too busy shooting the air, so I can't fix anything in the house. So you need to take Woodshop. It's the only way you're ever going to get a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> if you could build her a doghouse? 
<laughs> yeah, this this shop class. We were introduced to this, to this shop class by one of the um, football douchebags. I am enamored with how much this guy likes his doghouse, though. Like, this guy will prove to be a douchebag through the rest of the movie, but is on it with this fucking doghouse. He is so serious about like this window in the back of his doghouse, and like how excited any dog would be to live in that house. Like, this is a real passion project for this guy. It's a gateway to a pup kink. (laughs) You know, you're probably not wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, um, if he if he lived. Sorry, guys, we're in the spoiler (laughs) section. Um, But he did die by a lumber tool. So, you know, maybe that's how he wanted to go. Maybe that was the real kink all along. Um, the the real kinks were the friends we made along the way. But the mm-hmm. real kinks was the wood that we chipped along the way. Yeah. <laughs> this, this shop teacher just like relentlessly bullies Millie for like no apparent reason. Like it's yeah, gross. It. It's, yeah, he just really hates her. Truly a psychopath terrorizing the students <laughs> of Blissfield High. And that's really saying something as there is actually a murderer murdering the students of Blissfield High. <laughs> yeah. And which they all find about through, the, through uh, I guess, their local murder app. Yeah, so they all... Like... <laughs> it's, it's, it's like the wildfire alerts here in Sonoma. <laughs> yeah, it's like our the Nixle. Like their Nixle is like... <laughs> but our, our, our Nixle doesn't say like, four teens from your high school. Hell, well, yo, fellow teens... Your fellow teens have been murdered. Like ours is like there's some police activity over on blah blah blah. There's a there's a fire truck over at blah blah blah. Just don't go over there. Yeah, uh, that notification is like a 2002 TMZ article title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. teens brutally <laughs> murdered. It's like a clickbait. <laughs> Maybe they just have notifications for BuzzFeed like enabled on all their phones. The top four teens that were murdered yesterday in your city. <laughs> You won't believe number three. <laughs> it's Isaac. No. Yeah, actually, yeah, Isaac. I'm surprised Isaac wasn't already murdered. We already saw too much of him. I love they the idea just... of a place called Blissfield being so terrorized by a, a murderous rampage that they've all just become desensitized to anything like happening, that they've all just enabled this app on their phone that gives them nothing but clickbait whenever like news happens. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, because the reaction to this isn't, oh my God, our friends are dead. It's, man, I hope this will affect homecoming. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, they're used to it. This is a weird school that exists outside of time <laughs> as well, because you have also noted on here the thing that my wife freaked out about while watching this, which is that Booker not only has a watch but makes it a plot device. Like, right. Huh? Like you always got to set your watch five minutes ahead so you'll be early. I'm like, does she have a fucking watch? I don't see one on her, Booker. Like, who is wearing a watch? But it's everyone's also definitely... an Apple Watch. Yeah. How do you set an Apple Watch? Like a yeah, smart watch. Set themselves. Okay. He's hacked space and time. We we had we had to have a discussion about this during the movie because <laughs> my wife what? my wife has an iPhone and she was like, you can't set it to the wrong time. I was like, you can. Let me show you. Yeah, you can go into uh, your settings on your your Apple phone and. There is a slider for automatically setting your time. So you can like turn that off and then manually set it to whatever you want. 
but it won't adjust anything for you. It'll just keep being off by whatever amount you set it off forever. Right. Interesting. I'm, I'm surprised uh, Apple lets you have that much freedom with their with their products. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm surprised Apple lets you have that much freedom with time space. <laughs> Siri, can you create um, a wormhole for me? Hey Siri, can you create? No. <laughs> Hold on, Siri's thinking. Can you create a wormhole for me, Siri? Well, apparently cre- Siri has created me a note. Theory yeah. said, do it yourself. Yeah, I mean, you can do it on Android, but you have to like download an app from a third party site that's like not virus protected. And, um, <laughs> you know, then you have to go in and like manually program the wormhole yourself. So you have to know a lot about like positions <laughs> in space time and stuff like Also, on the topic of things that are out of time in this movie, like they mentioned prom at some point and why, like, and this could be around prom. And they're like, no. It's always homecoming. And this this school is really fucking into homecoming. Like, I've never seen a non-university that is this fucking into homecoming. <laughs> yeah, that was also, I think, Mila, you've noted that as well. Like, yeah, like, they're very invested in homecoming. Like, not even just the that they don't care about people being dead. They just want homecoming canceled. It's also just that, who cares about homecoming anymore? <laughs> Yeah. The kids still care about homecoming. I don't think they do. I mean, I feel like such a seminal teen movie moment that like homecoming is the apex of what everyone is looking forward to. I mean, Blissfield being also this school also has varsity football games on Thursday night, which is not a thing. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I remember homecoming football game was on homecoming night, right? Right? Yeah. I remember that being a thing. Yes. Yeah. So that's... Why is it the night before in this movie? I don't know. Because she has to get stabbed the night before so that he can Absolutely. be running around during homecoming killing people. That's fair. Yeah. There um... is a knife that causes people to switch bodies. Uh, the linear aspects of time and space and homecoming no longer apply in this film. That's, that's not the least believable thing in this movie. <laughs> it's yeah. not. It's really not. <laughs> well, um... And then they, they reinforce this by then smash cutting to the football game. Yeah, you know, because it's actually a pretty good visual gag because Josh is like, oh no, bitches here love homecoming. And that's matched by the Josh's football games like, see, they love homecoming. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dua Lipa is playing, just in case you didn't know this movie is queer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have the, we have Millie and um, the, bless her heart, she is the mascot. So she's getting, she's getting boiled some more. Now they're, she's they're a mascot. Beaver. Yeah, it's a, it's a beaver. That's a, a little gay. <laughs> that's a little so bit. Gay. That is an incredibly sapphic mascot, and I love it. Chop, really chop, chop. Just get up inside the beaver suit. Yeah, get in the beaver, or or Ray will have to do it again. <laughs> that was an Evangelion. Um, yeah, she gets <laughs> she gets slow head shakes. <laughs> It's bullied even more at the football game by like the football players for being the mascot. And it's like, oh, why? Wait, the mascot is always like bullied on by the players. But I mean, who doesn't love their mascot? Right. Like, yeah. hey, you're supposed to bully the other team's mascot. Yeah. Like, your own. Your mascot. Yeah. Like, in my experience, the home team loves their mascot. They think Cobra does is like pretty cool. You just- yeah, the mascot is do that. usually beloved and respected. Like I, even yeah, 
Um, I think in places where the mascot is bullied, the only time I really see that is like in 80s films, like 80s high school films. It's like, hey, geek, hey, nerd. Let me shove you in our mascot costume because we're so much cooler than you on the social food chain, you know? I don't know. It felt felt very uh, 80s to me. Yeah. And apparently it was Millie's choice because she wanted to get the extracurriculars. So she, you know, got those extracurricular points for her college application. Putting that beaver suit on her college apps yeah <laughs> she's like wood shop i make dog houses <laughs> i uh i i do the dancing beaver i'm an outstanding dancing i know beaver. how to get in a beaver i'm yeah got all kinds of <laughs> have then, all kinds of extracurriculars that sound like sex she decides to wait alone for her mom to come pick her up after it's heavily implied that her mom is, has been a no-show in the past for this kind of thing mm. it's like girl why <laughs> she's apparently never listened to my favorite murder which obviously everyone else in this school has because they have murder apps on their phone i'm sure they're all trying to stay sexy and not get murdered <laughs> um, i don't want to victim blame because obviously she's having a bad night and doesn't want her friends to have to like hang out with her i don't want to victim blame but i will friend blame because never leave your friend alone at night by themselves good point picked up no definitely friend blaming here yeah yeah there's there's so many issues here like it's a 2020 in which uber doesn't exist did all the administrators leave the school after the football game and not make sure that like there were no students there still like yeah the thing that administrators and teachers and stuff like have to do after i mean but on the other hand you established that the teachers of the school hate millie (laughs) (laughs) they just want her to get murdered (laughs) <laughs> because they, for there's... no apparent reason other than for... her being a little late not all the teachers suck yeah there's there's teacher we'll we'll talk about later and that doesn't suck meanwhile yeah. Shar, like the mom is drunk and asleep and not answering her phone and Shar is apparently such an asshole that her sister won't call her when she's left alone at school by herself just to be like hey mom's not answering her phone could you either come get me or wake her up like well doesn't phone die i think it's that her phone i think she does talk to shar unless i'm misremembering yeah. but i know so shar calls her to say yeah mom's drunk and asleep oh, again right yeah right. then the phone dies yeah she shar probably is like never call me at work unless it's an emergency and then you know if everything's fine then she guilt trips her because it wasn't an emergency even though she's sitting well there's a killer on the loose she's a bastard you established this yeah a cab Maybe that's why she doesn't want to call Char because she doesn't want everyone to know that her her sister's a cop. Vince Vaughn shows up on the street corner and um, walks with intent at her, and he has this he has brought a weapon this time. Yeah, the spooky knife. Millie runs and is incredibly limber in that. Um, I was going to say Garfield suit, but it's a beaver <laughs> suit. Yeah, she's yeah, good she's at like getting those giant beaver padlocks. feet up. They're comically large, and she is so small, (laughs) running away from this giant killer. And he manages to catch her. He stabs her in the middle of the field, uh, the football field, and the football field briefly becomes the top of a uh, some sort of um, Central American, yeah. Um, We'll come back to this this movie's limited understanding of the Aztec civilization soon. (laughs) Yeah, the Aztecian civilization. (laughs) It's and not great. You know, you know how they wrote on their knives in Spanish, right? The Aztecs. So that's well, actually part that there was somewhere in it that had mentioned that the they were colonized by the Spaniards. So the knife is actually like fan, like Spanish, not 
ancient Aztec, but it felt kind of convoluted to me. But that that was like I was like, oh, okay. So they're like, we understand history, but this is still our story. You know what I mean? It was kind of like a we're still gonna use this cliche and utilize the other to like further our story, but yeah. we understand. So I was yeah. like, ah. Ben, ben isn't here, so I can talk shit about Wonder Woman eighty four. Uh, because this is very much like the scene in Wonder Woman 84 where a clearly Indian man pulls out the ancient Aztec manuscripts written on paper so that he can uh, tell Wonder Woman about this history of like uh, whatever apocalypses is that they're experiencing because like, oh, oh. oh yes, the Aztecs wrote down stuff in paper journals that they still have, uh, this clearly Indian man. <laughs> I'm very tired of American film just kind of being like, well, if we make it about a different culture, then no one will have questions about that. And that's not, that's fine, right? We're not doing, we're, we're not doing an appropriation there. I'm like, there are so many ways that we can creatively cultivate a body switch moment without having to use some ancient Aztec or like using this misunderstanding of a different culture. We can do that in so many other ways within our own culture, within America, like, yeah. We can make whatever. This is a movie where time and space doesn't matter or exist, except for the fact that it is three days in succession from the 13th to the 15th. Like, we can make anything happen. You can body switch and not make it about an ancient civilization that yeah, has nothing could, to do with our culture. They, she could be on the pig. Like, it, it could be the pig alarm clock. It could be the beaver. It could be anything. It could just yeah. be a spooky <laughs> knife. We don't need an origin for it. Like, yeah, well, the moon already does some crazy shit. Like, the moon is up there doing some, like, fucking Ghostbuster shit, and it's cool yeah. as hell, and, like, we don't need the ground to become a ziggurat. Um, Which is such a cool transition, and that's why I get so upset, because I love that transition. I love that moment, but I'm just like, oh, man. I, like, it could, it could just be as simple as, like, astrology, bro. Like, the moon could just be <laughs> on some tidal, like, ocean wavelength witchcraft shit like we didn't have to make it something else but yeah i i agree with you the moon the moon has powers beyond our imagination i read today that some people think that all women mest- menstruate on the full moon no matter what which is well not- <laughs> first of all <laughs> not all women menstruate second of all <laughs> exactly. like, not all menstru- people who menstruate are women <laughs> yeah. it hasn't happened yet i'm waiting um i'm not gonna overshare this time i promise myself um we all believe you thank you so um millie stab stab by by man they switch body um it takes a minute because uh then millie is dragged off by her incredibly ineffective sister who shoots a gun in the air get out of here you get out of here big man it stole my that's stole that stole my sister body i didn't even know that yet um i don't know if i ever figured that out but anyway yeah she just fucking shows up and fires her gun in the air with like no regard for anyone's safety no, I don't think she's fired two pistols whilst jumping through the air and going off. <laughs> but yeah, this man is on top of her sister, and there's no one around. And yeah. you would think if she's, you know, I mean, you would think her aim wouldn't be terrible enough to like disarm him from doing that. But instead, she's like, you know what? What goes up doesn't have to come down on me. I'm shooting up. <laughs> like, yeah. She's like, we'll be fine. In all, yeah. In all fairness, 
Uh, she is a cop, and he is a white mass murderer. So, oh, you know oh, what? Yeah, you're right. There it is. There it <clears> is. <throat> At long last, twenty minutes into this movie or whatever, it's Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> um. So. Uh, so I, I think it's interesting that they switch. They seem to switch bodies while they're asleep at midnight or whatever, instead of like immediately when the the knife goes in. Uh, yeah, because the the murderer crawls back to whatever hole he lives in in the mill, and uh, she, you know, goes goes back to the sheriff's office and back to her house where they they just put this weird ritual knife into a regular evidence locker. <laughs> <laughs> And they give her the world's largest styrofoam cup of whatever to drink. It is huge. Uh, <laughs> but I had read, so they initially had a plan to do the body swap sequence in the bathroom scene. There's a scene where she comes home and she's in the bathroom and she's in the bathtub. And they had this entire sequence idea and like mapped out, but something didn't work out with it. So then they had to go with the sleeping transition, which is what they used in the film. Yeah, they did some some crazy sort of montage of dream stuff. Um, very Freaky Friday. Yeah, it's it is a very Freaky Friday thing, and and um, and the killer wakes up in Millie's body, um, and uh, Catherine starts bringing it in this in this whole thing. Like oh, both, yeah, both both Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn are very like incredible in this first scene because they're both you know both the characters are trying to figure out what's going on and. Catherine Newton is immediately goes from being this like this this character that she's been up to this point of this sort of like you know slightly airy femme doesn't really you know is, is really interested in this one boy and whatever else is going on with her to like looking like there is nothing behind her eyes whatsoever mm-hmm. yeah yeah she goes from wholesome kind of shy insecure pining girl to i mean absolute mass murderer just the second that the retra- the retainer falls out of her mouth you know that's not we're not with millie anymore something is very different here yeah and her mom tries to push her uh towards dinner um and well, i should say goes, mom she's like do you want to get manicures sweetie like i'm so sorry that i left you to be almost murdered but we should get nails done together that'll fix your ride up Oh, mom. <laughs> oh, mom. One of my favorite so details in this scene is that when when uh, when Catherine Newton goes to look for clothes in this scene, she goes through the clothes like she's a serial killer looking for somebody in the closet. Just like puts her hands in and pushes mm-hmm. them out of the way. <laughs> uh, that's right. Well, he tried He tried to find the girl in the closet uh, in the very beginning of the movie. And she managed to go to Narnia. So <laughs> She went sure to Narnia and then she came back. Like yeah, you never leave with... Narnia once you're in Narnia and someone's trying to kill you in the real world. Just stay like, there. Again, time works differently in Narnia. You're right. You're right. She had a whole. So she was probably. She like, was like in her fifties coming back, and then she yeah. gets murdered. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least she managed to live her whole life. You know, <laughs> she Mr. was Tumnus obviously the most. will never forget her. So As they will point out later in the movie, the pronouns get complicated here. Yeah. But they always say very so what I love about this movie is that the pronouns are so on point. It has no matter what body we're looking at, it's the person inside. So from yeah. here on forward, the pronouns are consistent. The butcher is he him. That is now in the body of Millie. 
And mm-hmm. Millie is still she, her, and that is now in the body of the butcher. It's so consistent to the point where the characters are even just correcting, like, no, she, no, he. And yeah. I love that so much. This is also where we get some fun gender queerness, which Millie wakes up in the body of the butcher and she asks someone, like, what what do I look like when you're seeing me? Do I look like a girl? And I love that line so much coming out of the body of Vince Vaughn, the actor. And like seeing that, I, I screamed at the TV. I was like, yeah, of course you do, baby. <laughs> you can look like however you want. You are a girl. Yes, Millie. But I, I really liked that moment. I just wanted it to go even further there. But I think that in terms of how this genre specifically of like the queer body switching subgenre of comedy and horror has like that hybrid has come through the years. I feel like this is a really good spot to be at in terms of correct pronoun usage and general gender fuckery, which I love. Yeah. Mila, you were going to say? Uh, relatable. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's really interesting to see how these two different characters react too, because um, Millie is immediately like trying to get a hold of herself, you know, and she's her personality's coming out. And she wakes up in this fucking art studio that the killer lives in, which is apparently in the old mill. And that, that begs a few questions in the future. Yeah, it's, um, it's really like the house in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where a lot of real weird art projects in that place. Yeah, there's like dead animals and, and mannequins with nails in them. Yeah, he definitely uh, has a mannequin obsession. Bobcat Goldthwait looking guy comes in with his Hawaiian shirt on looking for drugs. I'm not sure if this is something that happens normally or if he's just like, oh, here's a place with the person. Do you have drugs? I would it's- imagine this must be his first time or this dude would have a very short lifespan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah, she keeps seeing herself in sort of partial reflection in the mirror and freaking out a little bit about you know what she looks like. And she, I guess, she thinks she's having some sort of hallucination because you were saying you know she asks the uh, the the drug addict guy what she looks like if if she looks like a girl five five blonde. <laughs> she has a lot of description there that do not do not meet Vince Vaughn as an. Yes. As a I also like, um, you know, on the other side of town, uh, the killer is being ushered around the the house. Millie's mom is, tra- I think her name is Coral. Coral, Charlene, and Millie. Yeah. And, we know who the odd one out is. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, yeah, she's ushering the, the killer around the, the kitchen, giving him like pancakes and stuff. Apparently, he's like my five-year-old. Stu- and slashers don't use utensils. Everything. <laughs> If hands first into his mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's not used to moving that fast. He's a slasher. He just walks with intent. I've never seen a slasher run. Well, I will say, so Vince, so Vince Vaughn, at the beginning of, well, whenever the butcher initially attacks Millie on the field, he does run. And that oh, yeah. was, it was so scary to me because I expected that slow crawling walk. And all of a sudden he broke into a sprint. And I was like, oh no, he runs. <laughs> so, so much scarier it's like zombies who run like you don't expect that out of a slasher now yeah. some they're coming at you and i'm like oh no now i gotta do cardio Fuck that <laughs> the butcher doesn't doesn't like millie's wardrobe so um and there's no narnia in there either so he um he... i am impressed by the butcher's ability to go to somebody else's closet and put together a pretty fly outfit for a body that he's never had before 
This is what I love. Sorry, Amelia, go ahead. Yeah, he he somehow like, I think it's her sister's closet. He pulled out this like, this bright red leather jacket. I'm like, yeah, this will do. (laughs) It's like Michael Jackson's jacket from Beat It. Like, (laughs) yes. (laughs) I guess that's what Charlene would wear if she ever took off her cop uniform. Yeah. (laughs) Which you know she never does. Not once. So what I love is that the butcher goes into Millie's wardrobe and is like looking through it and is like, ew, no, dusty, tacky, disgusting. What are these knits? Get out of here. <laughs> he immediately walks over to like some other closet. He's like, okay, someone's got to have something in this house. Goes to Millie's sister's closet, pulls out the bright red leather jacket and is like, oh, Absolutely, I'm wearing this. He like throws together this entire look, the high-waisted acid wash jeans with a like little um tank top and a high ponytail and slaps on some red lipstick. He's like, We're going killing tonight, ladies. Like <laughs> he is so high femme in this moment and dressed up to the heavens, putting way more effort into his look than he ever has before. And yeah, I really as the think, killer, like, he apparently just wears like jeans and a black shirt. Um, yeah. Dusty jeans. And a regular yeah exactly but he's like oh and you see him admiring himself when he's dressed up and when he's in millie's body and i i i love that so much there's part of me that is just wants the butcher to just have so much more of that and just have that freedom of like yeah i'm like really pretty i'm like yeah you are I mean, we know that the that he has like some sense of humor. We know he has some personality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's he- fascinating because like, I feel like it implies that like the only reason he doesn't do this before is that I, I guess he doesn't feel like he can in you know his body. Like, I mean, oh my granted, god, granted, exactly, exactly. Makes the question doesn't granted. It? I am six two. I can imagine that Vince Vaughn. Uh, or a, a killer Vince Vaughn size might have difficulty finding something that fit him at that size. But uh, the moment that he's 5'5", five five, he's like, I know what I'm wearing. I mean, relatable. The fact that he was had all that art shit around, you know, we know he's creative. He just needed the that moment. Right. He, so, so exactly what I'm thinking. So he has all these mannequins everywhere. I'm like, what's the plan with these mannequins, baby? Like, what if the butcher is just a failed fashion designer and <laughs> didn't feel that he had the right to be femme and yeah. like feel pretty and girly and beautiful or whatever he wanted? And then, you know, destroyed his art studio and was like, ugh. And then it just became like, you know, an abandoned spirit Halloween. And I've got a whole like origin in my head now for this character where, you know, that's that's what I think about him. Yeah. Where their, their, you know, fashion uh, teacher was like, oh no, you've just butchered this whole thing. You're a butcher. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, I'll show you a butcher. (laughs) This is awesome. I love yeah, that. Copyright. <laughs> I don't think we can copyright somebody else's movie. An origin no, story for somebody else's own, movie. This is our own butcher. This is our this is our fashion butcher. This is our it's an homage. The butcher but, wears Prada. The butcher. <laughs> yes. Um. And in, instead of like a Hannibal Lecter Ed Gein thing, or where or not Hannibal Lecter, but like whatever the fuck, Science of the Lambs Ed Gein, whatever thing, where he, they he makes the. Uh, the the suit out of skin mm-hmm. instead he just kills shitty like uptight fashion designers and steals their clothes and then makes like versions of them that can fit him 
I love see and that's another thing I have a friend of mine who is a costumer and fashion designer Mm -hmm. and she always says that bodies are not made to fit clothes clothes are made to fit bodies so if the clothes don't fit your body there's something wrong with the clothes not you let's figure it out yeah and that's how I feel and I love that so it just all comes together I also like that that the killer gets sexier with the hair up usually the hair comes down for the sexiness this time goes up solid point solid it's just an op but i mean also dominatrixes have their hair up sometimes so that's apparently this makes who everyone assumes to be millie like 1000 times more sexy as he like struts through this crowd of cheerleaders like they're obviously doing a thing and he just like walks right through it like nothing dudes are like uh absently squeezing mayo bottles there's a lot of visual gags don't you just hate when you're just like holding a bottle of mayo and you just see something that you just completely lose all reflexibility? Yeah. It's just like who like they're just like holding all these condiments. Sometimes, sometimes as a white person, you just have to bring your own mayo to an event, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I do love this transition, this like quesarasara song that goes oh, yeah. into this incredible I, I forget the name of the song that they use that they that they mix it with but it's it's a, such a good heather's reference it's such yeah. a good iconic teen movie moment where there's always like you know the plastics or jawbreakers there's always that jennifer's body moment where the innocent girl has now been you know put into this new badass identity and gets that slow motion walk down a hallway and i live for those moments and this one was done so well very like the craft and with products in the background by craft so ryler is now like ooh. um now of course uh everybody thinks that this is this is millie and they also know that millie was assaulted by the killer last night so now it's like hot shit so ryler drags the killer into the gym locker room ryler Uh, seems to really want to find out that this other girl was sexually assaulted by a serial killer yeah ryler is 100 doing a perez hilton circa 2001 in this scene like implanting experiences and it's like so did this happen and what what i think is interesting about this scene is that there's a moment where the i think the joke is made that who she assumes to be Millie is into her and she's like I don't reciprocate that and she's like but not that there's anything wrong with it like they really like take it the step so far to be like to make sure that we know that Ryler is not homophobic she's just a mean girl (laughs) yeah well at first at first it seems like she's a she's down to a clam jam so that's what it was clam jam that's yeah she's say. like oh um okay well that's cool if because because uh the killer is like touching her face and stuff as as riley's trying to get all this hot goss out of her about like or out of out of uh you know who she sees as millie um and uh um and then riley just gets impatient and then leaves for the bathroom and starts texting about how to all of her friends about how millie is a uh a vegetarian right right so she's like i'm not homophobic like there's nothing wrong if you are and then immediately goes out and like spreads the rumor and like all this stuff she's like it's okay if you're gay i'm just gonna slander you what's the problem with that if it's true yeah we've just had this private moment now i'm gonna tell all my friends (laughs) she's yeah she's 100 on instagram live as they are talking 
<laughs> she's got it recording in the background filters yeah also she goes to the bathroom in the scene and she does not flush the toilet like there is no toilet flushing sound effect which i get might have been like an auditorial like nightmare but it was something that. that i noted she i was like she's really they're really not gonna allow her to flush that toilet huh i get it i get it it's a movie we don't want to hear that all the time but i was like man oh man as opposed to the scene where uh where she and vince vaughn's body will use the bathroom later uh which has the most troubling sound effects i will not forget <laughs> the the loud uh, sound effect of vince vaughn's dick flapping back and forth flap, flap, flap. <laughs> it's like a floppy anteater um <laughs> Yeah. I appreciate that, that that level of interest and confusion seems to be mutual between mutual between the two characters, because <laughs> uh, the the various experiences that that she gets while being in this body and is like, wow, that's that's crazy. You know? I, I I love everything body. I've always loved body switching narratives ever since I was a kid because I was always I just wanted to be able to switch bodies because then I. But like I could do the things that I couldn't do in my body, right? Um, and the one that comes to mind is one of the most formative when I was younger is Scooby-Doo Monster Island, where they all switch bodies for a second. Oh, and Fred, oh. yeah, Fred's in the body of Daphne and Daphne's in the body of Fred. And he has a moment where he says like, oh, I can look at myself naked. And that is just like in my head constantly. It's just, it was ingrained in there when I was a child. Um, but in this movie, it's an interesting way because it's not quite so predatorial or creepy. It's just like, right, I have this now. Look what this does. <laughs> like, bodies are interesting. I kind of want to know what's going to happen with this. And that, like, kind of, like, innocent uh, playfulness I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't a lot of horror involved with the body swap. It was just yeah. confusion. It wasn't, yeah, because usually well, a lot of these movies might really play up the the horror and you know if i if i woke up as vince vaughn i mean i'm sorry but um i you know that's nothing i mean i don't know i don't know vince vaughn uh whatever but like i wouldn't be super horror at how tall she is there's no like real horror express she she keeps talking about what a giant she is she's like i'm a yeah. giant that's that's how i would be if i woke up in the body of someone who is six five i would 100 percent just be like i'm a giant and i would just like hold things in my hands and marvel at how huge my hands are all day yeah she she um really like the at first she's kind of like fumbling around right like she's like running around trying to figure out where to go and what to do because she's you know in this body but like it's not about the 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 all of the uh um all of the awkwardness that she experiences in the body is is accidental you know, it's not something that she really notices because she's just trying to, she's trying really hard to figure out what to do next. Not that, you know, she's not like, oh my God, I have a dick. Um, she does, you know, she's like, wow, I have a dick. Um, I, I, standing up to pee kind of rocks. Yeah. <laughs> line is like, yeah, um, man. Yeah. It's pretty it cool. Rock. I, I, I wish, I wish that I had that ability. But the, to your point that you had made earlier, um, you had mentioned that the the gender of the movie of them performing as each other doesn't feel tropey because they're genuinely just trying to play the other actor's mannerisms. And that's so true. And especially in terms of gender, like in a lot of body switching movies, like, you know, Hot Chick from way in the early aughts, the, the 
a lot of the horror of a body switch movie is, oh no, I'm in a new body and like, this is terrifying. I'm a man and I look like a woman. Like I'm so emasculated, but this one, there's none of that. It's just, I'm in a different body and this is what this body does. And so like gender in that sense, isn't performed in that way. In, in, in the way that I've viewed and experienced this movie, it didn't feel like performed in a way based on like, genitalia in bodies it was more about who you are yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, i appreciate yeah, the-, the fact that over the course of this movie the butcher gets better at being a girl like the butcher is like because early on it's like he does the like what do i do with this weak body like i can't mm-hmm. i can't overpower people this doesn't work the way it's supposed to and then there's like the the scene much later where you know she's where he's tied up and he's like Oh help! Like uh, somebody help me! And like immediately, Karen moment. yeah, yeah, yeah. She realizes her Karen privilege and is like, <laughs> "I can, I can be the ingenue here." So we go from the breakfast scene where we get those iconic, like horror, like hunched over villain stance, like very yeah. slasher, to what what you're talking about, which is like the very femme like presentation. And so much of that, I think, has to do with the fact that he got dressed up for it. He's like, I'm dressing for the role I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is there is one point where the killer like grabs his chest in Millie's body where he's like, oh, but it's not like it's not like a feeling up. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, sort of um guess I'm gonna have to deal with this. So okay. yeah. this is who I am now. Um, so I mean, definitely not a very horny killer. Which is unusual for slashers because usually they're they're about as horny as they are murderous. But um... right, and also for body switching in general, like which sometimes very horny. There was no moment where I was like, go to like, listen, abolitionist a cab all the way. But sometimes I'm just like, go to horny jail. But there was no <laughs> moment during this movie where I felt that way. I think horny jail is not a, a, associated with. It's not uh, a real jail. <laughs> the, yeah, the the our our flawed law system like i think horny jail is, is independent of that it's a prison of the mind so yeah so now millie has shown up at the school um taking a shower um and uh ryler spots her in the in the shower and recognizes the um the the killer's body just have to mention they have this vince Vaughn like witness sketch. sketch and it is so good it's like whoever kudos to whatever artist made the the vince Vaughn witness sketch because it's such a fantastic witness sketch all i can and assume it's... is is char saw him and then went to like whoever was drawing the the thing and was like he looks like vince Vaughn do you know vince yeah. Vaughn <laughs> the murderer he looks a lot like vince Vaughn <laughs> You just draw Vince Vaughn. I'm sure you'll find him. Yeah, I just go on IMDb and um, yeah. And so the uh, Ryler's freaking out and goes back to who she assumes is Millie, and the killer manages to trap her in a cryo tank. You know, like those high school cryo tanks that you have, like when in high school. <laughs> it's like cryotherapy. It's like some kind of sports medicine thing. Yeah. Yeah, but. Those okay. First of all, they're not supposed to flash freeze you. Like they only go, they only go certain. Like apparently that is a thing. I looked it up. Brett looked it up. Um, Brett looked it up at my behest <laughs> because we were like, <laughs> "What the fuck?" It's a very special one for like rich white schools. 
Yeah. So yeah. to flash freeze you, just in case you want to be immortal. Once again, I shoved her in there and was the like, opulence. I was like, oh, it's a sauna. Oh no, it's not. It's the opposite of a sauna. What the fuck? <laughs> it's a nega sauna. Um. Yeah. A what? Uh, I mean, they do. Okay, I will say in high school they did have kids like mess around with Tesla coils. So and liquid nitrogen. Although usually the t- the teachers like look at this balloon. Not in the oh, locker room though, broken. right? No, we didn't have Tesla coils in the locker room. <laughs> we usually were not allowed to go near Tesla coils without some sort of uh, adult supervision. But this this cryo chamber is just right there. Um. So yeah, I what is going on with it? But um. So yeah, she uh, Ryler is flash frozen. Um, R.I.P. And uh, yeah, R.I.P. Rest in pepperonis. Um, and uh, and then the killer continues to shop class and uh where he's kind of messing around at booker and booker is just like this is weird yeah because booker like cuts his his finger and this is like the horniest the killer gets it's like oh blood Mm." (laughs) yeah i'm gonna and sawdust the killer is absolutely horny for blood that is true and horner for horny for murder in general that's that's very true i take back my point earlier there are very horny moments. Horny for yeah. murder. Yeah, horny for murder. I mean, all killers, I think, are horny for murder. But, like, you know, usually they, like, I, there's a lot of, of uh, points in old horror movies where the killer waits for the, the girl to get naked and then, you know, or takes off her clothes and then stab or something. Um, and, you know, we're villainizing sex some more. But, um, yeah, um, at the top, the shop teacher just really earns a, a horrible death oh man um but first millie has now found nyla and josh in the drama department or perhaps it's perhaps it's the math department either way there's a lot of drama um there's and, their own uh, tots there's uh, a lot of uh pans being banged on people <laughs> yeah there's a lot there's like a great kitchen yeah uh, the great kitchen kitchen sequence battle which i also love because i love battles that take place in kitchens where it's genuinely just like throw everything but the kitchen sink at this killer <laughs> anything yeah. can be a weapon let's go uh it's a yeah i think that's a fun moment tater tots can be a weapon i mean especially if they're right i don't think those tater tots were still hot um uh, but yeah millie does realize the um the the negative uh quality of testicles um and uh after <laughs> after i think it's nyla that kicks her in the balls but then as uh or nyla and josh are running away josh screams you're black i'm gay we are so dead <laughs> yeah i do love that line um, that awareness of the slasher genre yeah mm-hmm. yeah i'm i that actually kind of brought it around to me like especially with josh you know i was so on the fence with josh but then when josh said that i'm like okay now okay movie all right, I'm with you here. And then um, they have. This is this where we incredible- get another another series of thirty year old man references. Yeah, Kenzie right. likes Eternal Sunshine, but really likes Pitch Perfect too. I mean, so Josh knows how to gushers. use Google, which is a revolution in horror movies. Yes, <laughs> they, they manage to spend. Um, now they're they're convinced because they know it's Millie because of the Pitch Perfect too, and and I guess she's the only teenager that it likes thirty year old um gay man things that they know um well she also does the um the mascot routine yes yes um very relevant 
That's also really important. Like that has, I've always wanted to have secret handshakes with everyone that I love in my life. And it really prompted me to like push and advocate for that in my friendships because I'm like, how would you know it was me if I was body swapped? We need a secret handshake now. Oh my God. Mila, next time we hang out. Guys, this is one of those moments though that like, it makes me want to see the behind the scenes of Vince Vaughn and these two teenage actors like working out their secret handshake for this scene. Yeah, (laughs) that sounds legit cute. Picture like Vince Vaughn being like, guys, guys, I have an idea. What if we do like this? And then we do like (laughs) this. And these scenes, now Vince Vaughn as Millie in these scenes gets more and more heartfelt. And I'm like, give this give this motherfucker an Oscar. This is incredible. They really make a point of him being big. Like he takes up when they, they have a lot of really close shots of him in like bathroom stall or something like that, where he's just like stuffed in there. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a lot sweeter than I'm usually, I'm, I'm used to seeing Vince Vaughn, but um, yeah, it takes about a minute of, of Googling to bring us the exposition of this film, which is um, uh, the knife um ladola is mm. apparently an ancient aztecian dagger according to josh um that has some kind of um curse described in spanish because i guess they they added it later mm-hmm. After the yeah hunt. it was yeah i think i think so i think the whole lore is that the the spaniards got, stole the knife and then inscribed like this warning on it so that like it couldn't be used against them anymore but then it was basically saying that all spaniards were being sacrificed by the ancient aztecs i again i'm not sure of the lore here or or what's happening but that that was what i have gathered uh looking at different things um but yeah and then we have that the moment with the token latinx character who is solely there to translate and uh give the exposition yes uh, senora cayenas who is uh josh's spanish teacher and josh doesn't know enough mm-hmm. spanish because he has, doesn't pay attention in class which like and- okay so you know how to use google but you're telling me google translate late does not work right maybe like, it, it'll work enough it's not a perfect system but if you got google you got google translate like i i the, the need for this character and the like um excessive like exuberance of this character i was like that I, I, I don't know i was like there's already google why, why yeah. do we need this maybe yeah. we just the, needed the a need to have somebody else shitty. translate it would have made much more sense if it was written in like uh Nuatle language instead of spanish right, instead like, of yeah. spanish yeah exactly. i don't think you can plug Nuatle into google translate and figure it out but like yeah spanish could have gotten the gist of it but they do know what they need to do now which is um do a stabby stab again not a killy kill but a stabby stab before midnight which is like six hours away in order to reverse the uh the effects but uh millie dis- does get back at one of the bullies holding him up with vince vaughn's body and and um scaring the literal piss out of him um which is an interesting moment uh which will come and will be discussed later um, but now we get to see what we've been waiting for, which is the slasher making the logical choice to kill the shop teacher mm-hmm. in the it's appropriate right. safety. <laughs> That's what I love. So what I love about the scene is that so that the butcher goes to kill him with sheer force and then realizes, oh, God, I'm in Millie's body. I no longer have that sheer force. Time to get creative. And then starts using the things around him 
for that and like incapacitates him in other ways. And I really like this this fight and this kill sequence. But yeah, that teacher is really enjoying getting to kick the crap out of who he thinks is Millie for a bit there. Yeah, yeah like a, a creepy amount. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, like he kicks the killer while they're down and it's very kind of upsetting. But then, you know, he gets uh, straight Thawed up in thawed yeah. in half. So I gotta say, I, I probably, we all saw. Yeah. Hey. Ben's not here, so... <laughs> Um, but then they they finally do meet up with the killer in the hallway there, and they have their weird like standoff moment where they're sure that the killer is going to try and come at him, and then the killer screams for help and runs away. Yeah, and then uh, Nyla, Josh, and Millie cheese it in Josh's blue shit heap um, with the novelty license. license plate. Yeah, uh, with the hula girl and dash. It, yeah, the car is camp. Like that is camp right there. Yeah. And also not a great car to be in when you're trying to run and hide. Not at all. Or when you're 6'5", <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're in this tiny ass, like, it's it's basically like the, the Millennium Geo Metro. And it's got a novelty license plate that says, hey, bitch. It has a hula hoop or hula girl, not a hula hoop, not for the, a hula girl on the dashboard. And it has Vince Vaughn in the back. I think we are going to fail our stealth check. <laughs> this bit where he keeps uh, where, where he keeps asking her to move up the the seat i was just like yeah yeah that feels about right it's a little bit more just i'm surprised short. that that the, the the vince vaughn body like managed to fit in that car but then again That's... brett used to drive a geo metro so but he but he drove it so he wasn't in the back seat yeah. of course um, this car has uh the killer one black female and one excited male right <laughs> one uh one female black one uh male uh one white uh sighted um and of course who gives chase but officer char um and also failing in her cop car to follow this blue shit heap hey bitch um into a parking lot i think a truck like you know, deus ex truck deus deus ex optimus shows up um and for some and, reason, they run to the place where where Millie's mom works, the discount bonanza or whatever. Yeah. They're like, of all the places we could go to hide from people, uh, let's go to the place that Millie's mom works. Yeah, it's an odd choice. Yeah, it's they're like, we too. need to find a disguise. Let's go exactly where y- your mom works. And, and she won't recognize your friends. <laughs> what? Or the right. man who almost killed his her daughter yesterday. Right. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> she Millie does protest. She's like, "Wait, no, no, that's where my mom works." And then so they manage to run in, avoid the mom, but then they leave Millie in the in the changing stall. And apparently, they have like co-ed changing stalls in this place, which I guess I mean I don't know. Um, but uh, um, <laughs> there is this incredibly touching scene where the mom and Millie have this conversation and at first it seems like it's super awkward because the mom's gonna be like flirting with you know this Vince Vaughn sounding guy um but it actually doesn't like the the Millie when the mom stops starts flirting Millie's like oh yeah let's let's have dinner (laughs) I would have dinner with you I'd love to do that but I'm married oh yeah 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 Mm. Which has is, to find a way to break her mom's heart easily. 
Yeah. And like, obviously they can't be together, but I really want mom to just be able to find a nice man who can be emotionally available to her because yeah. she, you know, really needs one. She's in the scene. She's just incredibly lonely, but the scene is super touching. And I really love the mother daughter bonding without like it being fully aware that it's mother daughter bonding, you know, because it's like, how often can you really open up to someone when there's all that history there, you know, yeah. they get that, they get to share that connection and their feelings uh, with someone, but that they, who they weren't able to talk to otherwise. And I love the changing room bonding. Uh, I've never had anything beautiful like that happen with my mom and I in a changing room growing up. It was always just a lot of stress because I hated everything on my body and my mom always tried her best. And it was just, it was just always stressful. <laughs> I've, I've always hated buying clothes and go, I mean, I'll go to a changing room, like, I, you know, but I've never, never wanted to go get, unless it was at like, yeah, I'm going to say it, Hot Topic. Um, yeah. What was that? Was yeah. it Hot Topic? <laughs> what? I just said it louder. Uh... What? What? <laughs> Sorry, what? No, um, I, loved, I loved Hot Topic when I was uh, a teen. Uh, mostly because I was raised in a church that said it was the devil. And so oh, I right. thought it was like very cool walking in there with all like the goth music blaring. <laughs> well, we had the, there's a hot topic. And then before that it was international imports where you'd find all the cool shit. Like you'd find it like international or like one of those cool stores where you could get Pink Floyd shirts and, and, you know, studded bracelets or whatever. Um, or this is, this uh, is um, well, apparently this, this discount bonanza has weird scary iron rogers uh halloween masks because that's how they managed <laughs> i didn't i don't know who aaron Rodgers is was he is the quarterback for the green bay packers i didn't know they made masks novelty masks of uh athlete i mean he's a fairly popular athlete as football players go these days i i mean i guess I, I mean, he's he's married to you know uh, Shailene Woodley or partners with Shailene Woodley. I don't know if they're married. Although there's a really great line here where uh, Millie's like, "I can't see shit. How do killers do?" This? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a great one. The the killer is now with Booker and the douchebags. That's the name of their band. Dropping the idea to to hold an alternate homecoming party at the old mill. No one will look there. <laughs> Yeah, no yeah. one, no one expects the old mill now. Yeah, because they canceled the homecoming party because there's so many people being stabbed. So yeah. now let's go hang out at the old mill. Nobody will get stabbed there. Yeah, and I don't know who. Okay, I don't know who they hired to set up that fucking rave I... that they have at the old mill. That place is decked out. It is full yeah. of lights. It, they've got great acoustics there. Someone managed to disappear all the fucking nail mannequins and like. Well, the we whole... know they have money. Yeah, but yeah. like, I just want to see the the people who go in there. Who are they? I mean, this is this is not like this is an off the grid, like, high school party, and apparently every kid at the high school is going to it. So. Who is it? Homecoming goes is in a there. big fucking deal for some reason. I guess. I I guess the 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 club or the spirit club or whoever makes the fucking floats and you know designs the prom oh. or whatever goes in there. Okay. Speaking of wild destinations, can we talk about this indoor horror themed putt putt course yeah, with all the like glow yeah, in the dark? Why, why don't I have one near me? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Right. It's like a haunted house Halloween. putt putt theme. Like it's, I'm I'm into it. I'm so into that. 
Yeah, and it, it is very like Spirit Halloween pop up where you know it's just a bunch of like very very cheap Halloween decorations, but with this like super awesome black light setup. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure where it is, but that's actually a real place that they filmed on location. But the so it's like this like kind of like cosmic bowling, but for black light mini golf. And yeah. uh, but they just put the Halloween decorations in there. So it's not, you know, Halloween themed, but it is a real place that they filmed at. Nice. I don't, I don't remember where it was, though. Yeah. The I'll tee you in hell. That's classic <laughs> shit. Slasher is going to try to slash Booker. Josh is like, uh, you know, Josh is apparently the tech twink because he's got the Google. He's got the Instagram. He doesn't know Google Translate, but he does know how to track people on Instagram. And so they managed to track them down um, and they uh, they they navigate the labyrinthine um, hall of courses of this um, this this global mini golf mini golf. Um, and uh, they they save Booker at the last minute um, and uh, managed to grab the slasher. And now um well, Booker gets knocked out because, um, I mean, it's only been like maybe eight hours into the day, maybe nine, maybe 10, that um, Millie has this new body. So, you know, she's still getting used to things and she just fucking clocks Booker out cold. Um, and now we're at Josh's house. Killer's tied up. Booker wakes up and there is one of the best <laughs> this exchanges where Millie is trying to convince Booker. Booker. That- Booker, look at me, look at me. And then um, the killer is in Millie's body is like, look at me, Booker, look at me. <laughs> and, it's and, such and, a good scene all around. The butcher's like, no, it's to, to him. Like, you gotta help me. <laughs> yeah, just acting like the demoiselle. Um, and she recites uh, a poem that she wrote for him and slipped in his locker. He doesn't know who it's from, but now, now he knows. Yeah. Which is, I mean, he that that manages to get him pretty solidly. Like within minutes, then he's completely convinced. He still can't seem to get the pronouns quite straight, um, but uh, you know he he figures it out. Um, and uh, he goes with uh, Millie and Nyla to retrieve the knife from the police station, leaving Josh sadly to look after the killer tied up in his house. And they take Josh's car, which is kind of fucked up. Like they leave Josh there, but then, I don't know, but it is his house, I don't know. Nyla goes in to to distract Officer Char with, to get the knife. And then we have our third touching scene with Booker and Millie. Oh my God, the scene. And there's a lot to unpack with this scene. The fact that Booker is just chill with it is like wonderful. Also the chemistry between Vince Vaughn and I'm forgetting the actor's name who plays Booker, but their chemistry is unbelievable. They do such a good job. They do a great job in that scene. Yeah. And and Millie's talking about how she feels suddenly empowered by this big body. And Booker's like, as an strength doesn't come from size, it comes from the heart or comes from, you know, and I'm like, I was not expecting this slasher movie where a kid gets killed with a tennis racket to be this moving. (laughs) <laughs> very moving it's a very yeah. beautiful scene um and then we cut back to josh who is uh is still trying to deal with the killer and then josh's mom comes home she's a flight attendant well josh josh says they're josh doing is... a role play thing and that's why she's tied up and the mom says yeah, isn't okay. role playing a sex thing 
Josh, you could just say like you're LARPing, like you Josh, or you're <laughs> practicing for a fucking play. You, 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 I'm I'm taking it you like me felt your nerd come up and is like I mean not not just it's not just a sex thing. Come on, mom. Yeah. I mean, sometimes yeah. it is, but not not always. Yeah. So um, he tries to come out as straight, and his mom is like, "Josh, you are many things, and straight is definitely not one of them." <laughs> like the, the fact that he well, that's another thing is I think it's just his desperation because if I was him, I'd be like, "I'm bisexual," and that would be like, ah. I mean, you have a right to to uh, experiment. The mom is but, like, "Josh, bisexuality is a real thing, and we all know that you're a gay man." So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't gaslight me son (laughs) for real yeah Um, i I love that i love that what's the way that they flip that on its head and i love that the the mom's rejection of his sexuality is actually an acceptance of his true sexuality because he's trying to come out as straight and we all you know like that that was such a funny thing because how many times have we seen straight people fake coming out as gay as like a a joke (laughs) throw away line i'm yeah. so tired of that mm-hmm. so seeing this it was so good so refreshing yeah, it was it was very charming <laughs> yeah i think the thing about josh's mom that i took away is that she was the jamie lee curtis of this film because her scream was fantastic the the killer gets loose and he goes after them <laughs> and with the knife and they're just like ah! <laughs> I love them so much. I wanted so much more of Josh and his mom. I would love a spinoff of Josh and his mom. I would love a comedy, like a sitcom of Josh and his mom. I love them. And Josh and his mom fight killers. I would love that. That would be so great. And so there's... um, if you look in the background, all the photos of them together are these super cheesy, like studio taken photos <laughs> of them in like turtlenecks, you know, cheated out towards the camera back to back at each other. It says like live, laugh, dream. I'm obsessed <laughs> with them. It's so Oh my funny. God, I didn't notice that. I didn't oh, notice that either. They are so hilarious. It's so good. And they're totally a team too. Like they, they're in sync when they're trying to um, hide from the killer and they do the whole bit from the shining with the knife, the knife yeah and the killer loses interest so he leaves and meanwhile um, we've got this too long scene with nyla and char where nyla is trying to get the knife and char is being char and they continue to have a tense standoff until uh millie runs in and the killer's body and <laughs> hugs char into a cage and then locks her there sorry go ahead oh i was gonna say there was a bit where um booker and millie almost kissed but you could tell that they don't actually kiss because uh, vince vaughn has his hand over their face and i was like thank thank goodness just because i didn't want vince vaughn to be kissing a teenage boy <laughs> like he's i think that actor is definitely is in his 20s okay um, and the, the moment is so powerful because the whole point is you're still he says you're still millie to me like you're still exactly who you are yeah. it doesn't matter that you know, your presentation or your body has changed. You're still who you are. And I, I like you. And so that, that narrative, that, that, um, is so powerful. And I feel like we don't get enough examples of that in film at all. So I love that moment. I love it so much. And the actor is not a teenager. He is 24. Okay. It's a giant age gap. He's playing a teen (laughs) in the movie. We talk a lot about shitty horror movie boyfriends, but I think Booker might be the best horror movie boyfriend. Yeah, absolutely. He's better than Wade. Then it brings me around to like 
the fact that Millie's friends are all like completely ride or die for her. Yeah. Like yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah, we're gonna bring him to the police station, we're gonna steal something from the evidence locker, we're gonna help you stab your old body. We're we're in. You know? It's like yeah, I love that. We'll run from the cops with you. Like there's no hesitation. Just <laughs> just do Yeah. It. Yeah, and Nyla going in and, uh, you know, being the one that goes in and, and confronts the cops, too. I mean, I get it's Char. She knows Char, but, like, Millie's I friends. Starts to pull the gun on her, and I was like, whoa, hold on a second. You've known her since she was a child. Yeah. I was, I was like, uh, this young Black teen is going to go be sent to steal something from an evidence locker. I was like, oh, no, I'm immediately scared. Yeah, no, that was scary. I mean, like, that was another thing is that they were like, we're going to come with you. And she was like, no, I got this. I got this. You know, the only reason I think that, you know, that that she was confident about it is because it was Charlene, but it was still terrifying. (laughs) Charlene's fucking crazy and bad. The only only thing in that moment was I was like, listen, Charlene has terrible aim. She's not... She'd be like, stop right there. Bang, bang, bang into the sky. In the sky. (laughs) (laughs) She's just not good at her job. <laughs> well, apparently all the cops in this in this uh whole area in this town um just it's shoot bad. this guy. Well, it's like cops? it's a small town. It's a small oh, yes, <laughs> duh. But it's also like a small town like police department vibes like well they never like they never have to deal with this kind of thing. Like no yeah. Barney Fife situation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And it's so small they can shoot the, the gun up in the air and by the time that the killer is uh you know running away the bullet will have come down and like on the spot that they're at the okay. killer meantime has gotten to the rave and uh really like there's a really uncomfortable bit of like her uh, of the the killer being pulled out for like a guy to clearly like sexually assault and then it turns out there's like a bunch of guys there to sexually assault her yeah and, uh, it's like oh no but also well i guess that justifies killing these dudes mm-hmm. yeah well and then um the the main douchey one gets a chainsaw to the dick so um no more uh pooch palaces for that guy but uh, yeah they get killed and then um josh has run from his house to the old mill um josh is and- immediately greeted by a football player who attempts to sexually assault him as well it's just yeah. a real there's a real epidemic with this football team. It's a really like this is a whirlwind of a scene because the 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 football player assaults Josh and then shames him and then like also a slur. <laughs> yeah, also slurs at him. Before we could really like unpack this, it's killed. The uh the jock is killed with um a, a meat hook in the eye. So apparently they didn't get rid of all of the uh the cool props. Um Yeah, she the the killer busts in like the Kool-Aid man in this scene too, just comes right through the the wall to fuck this guy up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so um, what I love about like the violence in this movie is that so it, it's interesting to me because when we see the butcher killing quote unquote innocent people like young people we see that in the beginning of the movie up until he attacks millie and then once they switch bodies and we are watching the butcher in the body of millie the violence and the people that the butcher um is attacking are people that you know as as mentioned are jocks that are rapists with intent to rape you know like rapist jocks 
and then the homophobe guy and then the horrible shop teacher who is yeah. you know berating her all the time so we see this like kind of this interesting way in which this um the, the violence coming from the body of of millie is coded differently than what it was when it was coming from Vince Vaughn. And it's almost like there's like this justification of the murder of the people that are being murdered. And so that's why it's interesting to me because when I was watching The Butcher and the Body of Millie, I'm like rooting for The Butcher. Yeah. And I I'm like, yeah, kill those jocks that are trying to like rape who they think is Millie. Like, kill this mean girl, kill this shop teacher. But I wasn't doing that whenever The Butcher was in the body of Vince Vaughn. Yeah. And so that I, I think like that switch that like the way that they coded the violence differently was really, really interesting and really well done. Yeah. And yeah. in Millie's body, he's he's curing social ills like he's he's, getting, <laughs> he's solving all of Millie's problems in her school. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? That reminds me of another um, sort of the, uh, the a couple of their body swap films will do that where they have, you know, someone there are these the two characters i think most of them actually two characters will will sort of switch and then they kind of address each other's issues as yeah. each other um yeah. because they have this outside perspective and in this case it's not really anything to do like there's no real um understanding it's just the these these chips falling into place but I also think that the presentation there is really important like that's one of the reasons that i was also happy like the, what we see on the screen um is is well integrated in that message because um you know the, 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 they're very conscious of how these things are coming across on the mm -hmm. screen um whatever reason there is for them because i'm sure we can just i mean we justify the the killings of um the the jocks and the shop teacher and and um when the the killer's in billy's body you know the the that coded that code switching that you're talking about i think is very important because of the the kind of visuals that we're seeing now that can go both ways too because you can also say, you know, argue that there's something tropey where um but it doesn't the the amount of violence is still so intense mm -hmm. when the killer is in millie's body still and it's not like you know this is a this is girly murder or whatever yeah right the violence doesn't change. It's still very graphic. It's still very in your face. It's still like very provocative in its violence. Like she's chainsawing. Mm -hmm. Well, he's chainsawing people in half. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. it's not like it's like, oh, this is femme murder now. It's like, no, this is still the butcher. Yeah. Uh, which I love. No, no poisoned lipstick in this movie. You know, it's not <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. No, I, the I, lipstick does look flawless. I think it's interesting christopher landon i think does a good job at like figuring out how to get the audience to root for stuff because mm -hmm. like happy death day is the same way where it's like early in that movie you just hate the main character she's awful but by the time that she's gone through you know a half dozen cycles of being murdered you're like well she's starting to come around a bit she seems like she's learning some lessons i'm i can root for her now and I think he yeah. does that so well because he really puts the audience like through the lens of what the character is living through in the world. You know, so much of what they're addressing in each other's bodies are how they move through the world differently. And when you're along for that ride, you really empathize with the person. So it's so much of like um, presentation and perception and what people see of you based on what they think you are and how you're treated um, in the world. And that's 
that's why I love this movie so much and why I could just talk about <laughs> these themes all day long. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, well, when, with our progressive politics section, we'll be talking a little bit more about that um, as well. I really want to hear what everyone has to say about um, the, the presentation in this movie. Um, but we're almost to the end because the cops have arrived at the old mill and um, in this room full of teens in the dark, they shoot guns in the air. Because um, that's where bullets are sp- like I, I I like I hate guns in general. I, yeah. and, and like I don't want the bullets to go anywhere else. Obviously, <laughs> like don't shoot anybody. But also, we know they have to come down at some point. Like that, they don't like magically disappear into the cloud vapor. What I mean, they go into the this this place has a ceiling. I assume that they go in the ceiling. But like, you know, your cops. You you arrived in a car. You have noise making devices that aren't guns yeah Yeah, the cops in this movie are breathtakingly ineffective like i mean not that that's not reality (laughs) to some extent but you know they are Uh, very bad yeah it's so um that's going down you know there's general chaos uh and now millie and her crew arrive and booker provides they have the they have the knife millie has shoved her sister into the jail cell as the killer so they're also I don't think no. I don't think uh um Char ever figured that out. And uh they work together Booker, to capture and pin down the killer. Yeah, and Booker has provided Millie with his Apple Watch. Which and the alarm as, goes off and it's too late. But oh, is no. it Booker's watch set the watch five minutes ahead? Um, because apparently he figured out how to do that within that, that magic was... piece of advice from the beginning had a point. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, movie. Um, I actually used to do that in my car, but yeah, you know, and then phones happened. Yeah, and so the they, one they time stab him, there's a magic switchback. Yeah, they stab a magic switchback, and the one time that the cops listen to a gay man, they uh they actually managed to shoot the killer once he switched over. So it doesn't take it doesn't take a night of dreams this time. It's it's immediate. Um, now, uh, Millie and Booker they have their their magical kiss moment. Um, killers dying in the ambulance. It's a happy a happy ending, or is it? Um, and uh, we're we're back at Millie's house. Everything's well. They even have a, an obligatory like, "I love you, big sister." Oh, I love you too, stinker. You know, even though Shar is still in the uniform again sleeping eating showering whatever um existing what existing existing yeah (laughs) um just just she is the uniform um she is the law she is the law in this town but (laughs) um it takes all three of them to uh to take down the killer who suddenly appears and interrupts their beautiful moment um and they managed to uh, kill him for real on a wooden stake to make sure he's not a vampire. Millie has learned um, by being kicked in the nuts that it hurts when you get kicked in the nuts. Yep. And um, I mean, I also knew that, but she also has a very... She knows it differently than you do. She sure does. First-hand knowledge really helps with uh, just remembering to do something in the moment. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. And then we get a cute song and a cute little um, animation montage for the uh, for the credits. So that that was freaky, man. Um, so that was freaky. Yeah, it was pretty freaky. I mean, this movie is cute. This movie is cute. 
Like this movie is genuinely funny and the it's like a it's like the the um spiritual successor to scream i think with a little bit more of the um discussion i mean scream didn't have any lgbt uh that i could tell i mean a scream isn't oh well no 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 one is incredibly queer yeah my bad not not canonically but maybe not well not explicitly stated so but it's definitely there yeah not explicitly stated yeah Yeah, i mean especially that like last scene and then the the scene in the, the uh, penetration of the knives. It is written by a gay man who intentionally wrote all of that in. Yes, uh, sorry. No. I had seen in the blockbuster where they're like sandwiching Randy and oh, so and he's hot. like like licking his <laughs> ear and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so much fun with that. I did. Yeah, I did. I was there for that episode. Where we <laughs> talked about murder husbands. Um, but, uh, um, it's, this is too, this is too involved for me to ask Jeremy to cut it out. So I'll just, uh, I'll take that. I'll take that L. Um, uh, so I, I guess looking at our questions now, I don't feel like it really does much with mental illness or physical disability. Um, I mean, there's the addiction, the mom's addiction and grief. Yeah. Like, it's a very Saturday morning cartoon or, you know, Saturday afternoon special version of alcoholism and addiction yeah. yeah like she's she's kind of implied to be like depressed and like still deal with the grief but it's not like nothing really comes of it it's not really like a, a serious thing that's discussed it's like put up front and center i do have to say i love that the wine that she's drinking throughout is called swan song mm-hmm. um, it's a really stark <laughs> yeah i noticed that and i cackled to myself <laughs> I was like, oh, they're really dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what do we think about uh, how this movie deals with like race in general? Uh, could have been better. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the... it's craft level. You know, there's a black best friend who occasionally comments <laughs> on being black, and other people comment on the fact that she's black. She doesn't have a family or motivations or a life of her own. Yeah, she just does yearbook and she's the like I said, the the black emotionally support best friend. And um she's she's great in her own right. I think that the character uh has great qualities and but all of her qualities that are really great are like boiled down to the fact that she's just a great friend and she's really on top of it with supporting Millie and pronouns and all that stuff. She's, you know, very brave and charismatic. But you know there's just not enough i just maybe there could be more um is is that point we don't have a really good sense of who she actually is as a person yeah like or as a character like she just kind of exists to be there yeah Yeah, you get a sense of who she is in relation to other people not really her herself yeah which is interesting because josh you get a real big sense of who he is himself but it's not the same way with um with nyla's character yeah. Yeah. Also, um, the only Latin Latin character in the movie is very heavily accented Spanish teacher. Yeah. <laughs> a very dramatic, over the top, yeah, Spanish teacher. There's also, you know, the very uh, the, the racist joke that Josh says to their black neighbor about his dog. Yeah, and it's like, okay. Yeah. No, we don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
And there's definitely like some not like acknowledgement of class that you know mm -hmm. these uh, that at least are at least Millie is somewhat lower class than some of the other you know kids at school and Josh drives a shitty car but also like Josh's house is really nice so it's like a weird house is very nice too their yeah. houses are both very nice um but yeah it's definitely a, a visual point it seemed to make them of a different class than their other peers and the school that they're at and that's also a point of millie being bullied you know uh, it's that that whole trope of like oh this like gorgeous shy girl is actually so beautiful and nobody knew it because she had hair in front of her face and she wore a sweater and glasses but it seemed and while that's there but it seemed more like a lot of the reason why she's being bullied is because you know her mom works at the discount bonanza and you know it, it's it's a class issue with her and her peers yeah yeah it doesn't yeah, have gets... anything really insightful to say about it i don't think but it does sort of yeah it's there you know? yeah it's there yeah like she definitely when Ryler's picking on her early in the movie, like Riley does make a point of being like, oh, you wear cheap clothes from a cheap store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, do we think this movie was feminist, guys? I would definitely say so, especially from that, um, like, cis male white lens. There is, like, that feminism that is there like especially for like those identities you know if you're in moving in circles like that there's a, a brand of feminism there um especially in you know the the very upfront lines like don't underestimate a straight white man's propensity for violence yeah. and i'm black you're gay we're so dead things like that like there there is an awareness there and an intention set there to um like in in terms of horror because there's there's so much of horror that just isn't feminist and it felt very much like they were um trying to be aware and intentional about inserting that mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i think that the, the the choices made with the characters is pretty relatively feminist and also i think it's it maybe if it doesn't say so much about feminism i think that the the freaky friday body swap is a pretty cool kind of um, exploration of certain feminist ideas and, you know, subversion of expectations and things like that. Getting getting beyond the, the empowerment, the female character, and into really addressing the female character's role in a horror movie and all that kind of stuff. And I, I feel like that was, that was pretty cool. Um, and uh, there, this movie definitely existed in a feminist context with those lines Especially in the slasher genre yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. definitely um, like um has a brand of feminism to it what's the right word gay just Whedon. i i kind of kind of yeah it's definitely like it's it's kind of intersectional but it's also very feel a little surface level sometimes in terms yeah. of how it applies its feminism it doesn't it's like our our female we have a female in character and she kicks butt and blah 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 but don't really dig into like anything beyond that you know yeah, yeah. It's, feminism comes out mostly in witty one-liner yeah mm -hmm. and i mean the, just the fact that it's murder barbie you know so it's like a murder barbie version of feminism which yeah, yeah that's what i yeah uh okay so the <laughs> the last question in this is i feel the most complicated which is how does it deal with lgbtqia plus people and themes i mean there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot yeah i think what's wonderful is that it's written by two gay men and it's a a, a body switching story 
and they were so intentional intentional about getting the pronouns right and having a genuine authentic authentic representation of a gay character although um you know how how tropey or characterized it may be at times um but it it also just seemed kind of like there was a self-awareness of of the writers themselves writing the story so i think that from the perspective of of two gay men who are writing the story the I, I don't know that it dealt with lgbtq issues especially because there's the whole josh moment where he's talking about how hard it is to you know find another gay person in this small town mm-hmm. and the only people that do are jocks who like get drunk and then realize they're fluid so it's like I don't I, I don't know that I would say that it deals with issues, but it definitely gives representation to the, the people that they're, that they're writing for. Yeah. yeah, it feels like maybe it doesn't deal so so well necessarily or in a revolutionary way with with gay issues, but that it is it does have a distinctly gay perspective. That it mm-hmm. is, you know, coming from it's coming from a gay place. Yeah, much like Hellraiser but not at all like Hellraiser because Hellraiser is about just guts and stuff, but also it's queer coded. But then um, <laughs> this movie is the opposite. It's, it's queer coded, but it's, it is uh, not as like weirdly existentially um, like intestinal. Yeah. yeah. But that's what I think is wonderful too, is that it's not coded. It's all, it's explicit. Yeah, you know, that, yes. they, are, they are saying the character is gay. That is a gay character on my screen right now. They are talking about pronouns on my screen right now. There is a, an, an, um, an explicit statement about gender on my screen. Like, so it is explicit in its queerness. And I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I think that go ahead. Like, like, it definitely like, touches on some things that, um, that, I could like either relate to or like could appreciate from a trans, you know, a perspective as as a trans woman. You know, like it's kind of, it's played off as a joke, but you know, like uh, Millie asking you know, who I look like a girl is like, wow, that's a big fucking like mood right there. Um, you know, and that and it's 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 more subtextual than textual, but like the the feeling of like being adrift in your own in the body you inhabit you know and that like it it's not like right for you and you just gotta go on and deal with it which you know really does uh pretty well um you know she don't they don't have her like explicitly suffer from like any kind of like gender dysphoria or anything Mm -hmm. um but you know she does struggle with being in a body that does not feel like it fits um you know she's too tall she's wrong her voice is weird like you know she she's got dick it's like all this stuff that you know i can relate to um and from my own experience even if like you know i was not magically transplanted into a different body was born the way that i am um and also like the whole scene uh with booker and millie in the back of the, the car um so it was very sweet and um it you know booker is like number one like trans ally the only good cishet man you know <laughs> we um he's like he looks at at millie in this body that she you know feels alienated from and says you know it's not about i i see you for who you are and not for the outward appearance that you 
that you have to present right now because of circumstances beyond your control. And it's, um, you know, watching the movie didn't really hit me that hard, but talking about it definitely was like, a, oh, wow, that's like, that's like brings up some intense feelings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, you know, as, as a, trans, a trans woman, um, there's definitely a lot, you definitely have a lot of anxiety around um, intimacy and dating and um, being close to people because of all the ways you feel wrong in your body and all the ways you don't like the way your body works and is and it you to find someone who tells you like I love you as for you are as a person and you know what it your and ultimately your body I accept your body as it is even if it's not like how you want it to be I accept you as you are and um so you know it's not like I don't know if I call it explicitly trans but it's definitely touches on like it's very genderqueer trans experience uh, in a way that you know I felt that I could relate to in a way yeah that was that was sort of what I was thinking about when I was thinking about the coding because that whole situation I feel is indicative of you know the, the the body swap situation and the fact that you have this scene where it, there is a, there is a struggle but it's not the the main conflict of the film it's something that the that these teens just kind of work out, right? It's not a huge to do, because um, you have a whole bunch of coming out movies. You have a lot of these movies, whether they're 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 explicitly queer or um, uh, implicitly queer, about being accepted as who you are, and that is what it's about, and it's all about that struggle, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this is sort of a side plot where it takes booker less than an hour to be like not just um i've i've noticed this girl but i'll i'm gonna kiss this girl that i've previously just kind of talked to i didn't know she she had a crush on me so much but i'm gonna kiss her our first kiss is gonna be while she's in the body of vince vaughn you know um so yeah there's there's something that is really profound about that you know even though like it's it's not um it's not presented as as trying to be ultimately profound uh if that makes sense because yeah. it, it, I, it it is presented in a positive way right and well it's it's definitely comedic in tone it's not presented as like a gross out joke yeah like it's it's a, it's funny because it's just kind of a weird awkward situation to be in it's not funny because Booker finds um, Millie and Vince Vaughn's body like disgusting or something like that. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it, it's funny because having your first kiss with the guy you're into while you're in the wrong body is fucking weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and also how that scene was shot um because usually with scenes like that, when you have the body swap moment and you have all of this. Uh, all these close-ups and you have a really really um almost invasive uh set of like frame setup of these characters you know and their faces and sort of making it gross right mm. um where in this case it's a um it's a relatively casual um you know they're both in the back seat but we're still seeing them for, we only see that one shot of them from the front of the car um 
I, I think it sounds like we're all uh, we're all in agreement that this is worth people seeing. Is that is that right? Yeah. 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 It's a fun. Definitely. It's a fun movie. Yeah. Definitely. And- Especially with like the way that horror is progressing um, and like where we're at in horror. I think it's a really good uh, moment in, in which, you know, the, 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 the world is just progressing through horror. And I think. I, I do think, you know, 20 years from now, it will be a, a moment to point back to, to say like, this was as, as much as it could be more right now, this was a moment that, that changed something in horror for, and pushed it to a more progressive end. So I definitely think it's worth watching for now, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if you like slasher flicks um, or horror comedy, like, or you just want more explicitly queer horror, like go watch this movie. It's, it's all fun. Um, it's definitely kind of thing you can sit down and and watch and enjoy, and it's it's really well paced, honestly. Because I was remember watching it and I looked down at the, how much time I left. I'm like, oh, there's only 20 minutes left in the movie. Oh, wow, it's a, it go it moves along very well. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Both the gay best friend and the black best friend survive. So that's true. yeah. Yep. There you go. Um, does anybody have uh, any recommendations uh, for? For stuff people should watch if they if they enjoyed this one they're looking for something else amelia did you have anything um i see it's listed here in the doc already but um i definitely I it, feeling. scream <laughs> like i got a lot of scream vibes from <laughs> from this one so it definitely made me think of that one um that was the only one that came to mind immediately like you know i haven't watched a lot of horror comedy so <laughs> it's hard for me to make any wrecks um yeah I think Scream is, I mean, very, very apt. Uh, Tara, did you have anything? Yeah. So in terms of horror and dark comedy, definitely Jennifer's Body and Heathers. If those are movies that, you know, you haven't checked out, I would definitely recommend those if you liked Freaky. And Mila, did you have something? Oh, no, I was agreeing with you on Heathers. Like, I didn't think of it, but yes, Heathers is a great choice. Yeah, it is. That's one of my favorites. And uh, in terms of aesthetic, I would say if you if you you know want a more fun time aesthetic choice, Ryan Murphy's television series Scream Queens. Uh, if you want some you know good queer horror written by gay people, Hellbent. And if you want some unique final girl experiences like what Freaky gives to us, I would say Night of the Demons or Hello Mary Lou. Awesome. Uh, Emily, what did you have? Um, well, we've already talked about Scream and Jennifer's Body. Um, so I've, Anna, the, Anna and the Apocalypse um, is a fantastic horror comedy. And I, you know, it's it's a zombie genre, not, not slasher genre. But if you're into horror comedy, absolutely, positively go see that. If you're into uh, horror that has um, great representation and also uh, trans uh, representation, bit um definitely and we've done shows about those once but doesn't mean that you go listen to those and watch the movies um and uh there's another movie that the scream team did called cursed (laughs) and that one it's a werewolf movie and it is it is a horror comedy and it is hilarious there is christina ricci right yeah christina ricci and um the kid that plays the social network kid i can't remember his name oh man they're brother and sister and they're there there's werewolves and christina ritchie plays the assistant to craig kilborn on the late late show and craig kilborn is in the movie and plays himself it is nuts 
Um, and uh, so that's a fun one. There. Uh, a little bit more of the tropey, problematic um, gay character coming out. Um, so there's that. It's not really great about representation, but it is um, a pretty fun horror comedy, and it's yeah. the same. It's also got Pacey from Dawson's Creek, and uh, uh, what's uh, Milo uh, Ventimiglia, who was uh, in Gilmore Girls as well. Jess from Gilmore Girls. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real team dream nice. team. Oh yeah, he, they, he was such a crush of mine growing up. I'm so excited because that's been on my list for a long time, and I've never seen it. So I'm glad that that is the recommendation. Yeah, man, late late career Wes Craven is some wild stuff. It's it's good though, like this, screams, cursed, red eye, all. I I think winners, eyes. weirdos, but winners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, um, new nightmare is another one too. Late Wes Craven, it's good stuff. Um, and for more of the body swapping hijinks that are kind of interesting, you know, if for, for a little bit of context, you know, you can watch the Freaky Fridays or the 2017 Jumanji. Um, oh, oh, that's oh right. yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that yet, but I, I remember the trailers. That is true. Yeah. Or Scooby-Doo that's... Monster Island. Or Scooby-Doo Monster <laughs> Island. There's this, the, the swapping the body. This is this movie. Um, Freaky does have some Scooby-Doo vibes, intense Scooby-Doo vibes. Definitely. Um, Scooby-Doo. I will say that. Yeah, this the Scooby-Doo movie. And then um the uh um the 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 in the, uh, yeah. <laughs> Skipped over that one. Um sorry. Uh yeah, the, the Jumanji has um a little bit longer body swap situation. Um but it's also a fun. It's it, let me tell you. It was a lot more fun and cool than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um so yeah there's that uh yeah for me um we talked about screams um jennifer's body um the halloweens in general like this movie especially the killer is heavily inspired by mike myers and uh, i feel like there's there's a lot of you know there's a reference to laurie strode in there and the main character is rather laurie strode like in a lot of ways um uh honestly if you haven't seen happy death day and you liked this movie at all tonally they are very similar same director writer uh it's you gotta see that if 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 this was your thing um absolutely check it out um in the world of body swap stuff um i would check out the comic crosswinds it's by gail simone and cat stags um it has a lot of similar things to this in that it is about a uh a man who is a criminal and a woman who is a housewife uh, switching bodies and having to figure out how to navigate those different worlds and how, you know, the, the things she knows work into this, this world of organized crime that this guy is in and how this criminal straightens out all the motherfuckers that are screwing with her life on the, you know, on her side. So um, it's, it's really fun. I know it has been, uh like somebody has, has gotten the rights to adapt and it hasn't actually happened yet though but the the comic is really great it's finished it's in a graphic novel so it's definitely worth uh checking out if you haven't read that um yeah with that um Friday let's, the uh, 13th of course Friday oh, the 13th yeah <laughs> yeah all the, and the Friday movie the Friday <laughs> yes Friday the 13th because... Freaky Friday and the movie Friday um all worth checking out uh <laughs> yes so let's uh, to wrap this up, uh, Amelia. Where can people find you online? Um, I don't really uh, 
keep any social media or anything open for just people I don't really know to follow me. Um, do not perceive me. You cannot find me online. This is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, this is a lie. You can find me, but um, it's not any information I'm divulging here. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it's a uh, regular John Cena. Um, <laughs> uh, Tara, where can people find you online? You can perceive me, well, an internet version of me on Instagram at Honey Twat, where I am posting videos that I think are funny, funny videos. Um, thirst traps and positive affirmations just on a daily. Beautiful. And <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter at That's So Tara. And that is um, where I have more uh, film-based stuff. And um, I'm in the process of writing a bunch of things right now and creating a website. So until then, follow those if you like my thoughts. And then I will put up a website. Uh, coming soon. Awesome. And uh, Emily, what about you? I am the Mega Moth. Perceive me as the Mega Moth. I am at Mega Moth on most things. Um, Patreon, especially. Check me out there. I've got a $1 tier. You can just be there for a dollar. You can buy that for a dollar. And uh, I'm on uh, Instagram. If you want, if you want to buy it for free, uh, you can't buy anything. It's Instagram. Well, maybe you can. There's a lot of ads, but Mega underscore Moth. Mega period moth on TikTok. I don't have anything there yet. Um, and uh, um, Princeless is still exists. It's out there. Go get it. Um, volume ten will happen. I'm looking at it right now. It's happening. It's happening. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking at it. Um, and find those books where fine comics are sold independently. Uh, as for me, you can find me doing comic shit on Twitter or dad shit on Instagram. Um, I, my website is jeremywhitley.com. Uh, I don't do anything there. Um, and, uh, you can, uh, pre-order School for Extraterrestrial Girls Volume 2, which is coming out this fall. It is available anywhere you pre-order comics right now. Um, and will be available. We'll have a free preview available for free comic book day coming up in September. Um, as for the podcast, Progressively Horrified can be found on Patreon at patreon.com slash Progressively Horrified, where you can help us make lots of great new podcasts and hear us talk about uh, the Fast and the Furious movies if you are a patron. Um, on Twitter, we are at Prog Horror Pod. Our website is progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm. Please make sure you subscribe and rate and review wherever you're listening to this, because we would love for more people to find it, and that is the best way for that to happen. Uh, we want to thank our guests, Tara and Amelia. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Always happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And oh, thanks for the wreck. This is, this is good shit. Yeah. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. And uh, thanks as always to Emily for joining me. And thanks to all of you for joining us here. We really appreciate it. And until we see you next time, stay horrified. Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Emily Martin, Tara Acevedo, and Amelia Valleseo. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and not intended to represent the intent or the opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06, 
is provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Support us on Patreon or contact us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at ProgressivelyHorrified at gmail.com. I am your host, Jeremy, with me. What is my name? <laughs> <clears throat>